0: Alongside Tyler Brown, my name is Yao Bonsu, and today we bring you guys a very special interview from one of Baldwin's greatest legends. I had the opportunity to sit down with boys varsity football coach, Coach Carroll. Carroll took time out of his plethora of coaching responsibilities to sit down with me for an interview to discuss the team season, some of his best alumni, his captain Trevor Watts, the Nassau County Hall of Fame, what he takes away from coaching, what he wants to be remembered for, and much, much more. I am honored to have been able to sit down with Coach Carroll for this nearly half an hour interview, but nevertheless, I'll keep you guys from waiting. Here is Coach Carroll. All right, and now ladies and gentlemen, I'm joined by the legendary Coach Carroll. He is currently the coach of the boys' varsity football team. Coach Carroll, how are you
1: doing today? I am doing very well. I am very happy that you asked me to do this interview today.
0: All right, you are our last fall interview. It's an honor for me to be interviewing you today, and now let's get into it. So, your regular season is now over, and it's safe to say you guys didn't have the best season. Can you reflect on this past season in terms of the highs and lows that the team experienced throughout the season?
1: Absolutely. Um, First of all, we started off on August 16th. It was a hot, hot August day, and we didn't have the numbers out the first few days that we wanted to, and then all of a sudden, everyone got there in time, and then we had our scrimmage against Hewlett, and we did well, and we got to see what the kids could do, and then we opened up against Massapequa. Um, Massapequa was a little bit better than we were this year. They were stronger than us. Um, We had a tough day, and then we... Had the season go from that point. We ended up with a 3-6 and six record. The sixth loss came in a playoff game against Freeport, who is arguably the the number one team in the state of New York for high school football. And the good thing is, and people may make a joke about this, but in the first quarter, we played them extremely tough, where the first time we played them, we didn't do as well. So um, the season, we were looking for um, more wins, didn't happen, but it wasn't from lack of effort from our kids or the fact that they were out there working hard every day.
0: When you guys had these down moments throughout the season, what were the moments that the team kind of bonded together and say like, all right, this is the time where we have to change, what we're doing is not working, we have to bond together as a team and really get going on the field?
1: Um, well, what would what, what happen is on a, like a weekly type of um, basis, I would say, I wouldn't say the whole year, but the, 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 the young men on the team all understood when things didn't go well and then other kids would step up and practice. Like, believe it or not, we had some kids, um, Daquan, did a phenomenal job this year as a scout team running back he he took a beating in practice every day but the fact that he went every day and said I am going to do the best I can do helped our defense prepare each week for each game so there are kids every week stepped up and we switched a lot of kids in different positions just because they learned as the season went on we had a lot of I think out of our starters there was probably seven kids that hadn't played football in three years
0: yeah, that's interesting. And now you mentioned Daquan. And along with him, the team has a lot of strong personalities, you could say. But how do you juggle all those personalities? They get, they, they may get mad sometimes because they don't, they don't get the ball enough or they're losing. How do you jumble all of that to ultimately bond the team together? All
1: right, that was a great question because we had four running backs this year. And, you know, the four running backs could all play well but we were going on with the first two guys who are our two main running backs. And I said our main running backs because they were experienced and had success the year before. Um, Trey being one, and Andrew Dakota came back to football and he was extremely quick. So those two guys were our two main running backs to start the year off. Um, Maurice stepped in as the season went on. And, and Keon Wingate was always our go-to guy when we need an extra guy to block for us. So, um, and then when All else is done, and I don't mean in a negative way, but then Daquan would come in and clean up in a positive way, whether it was, you know, finishing a win or finishing a loss. So, but it was difficult because they all were not happy that they weren't getting the ball enough, but it's very difficult to spread the ball around to four running backs. Um, Passing this year, we had, obviously we have several good receivers on our team this year. Um... Isaiah being one of them, Kenny Ojakira, another one. And it was tough to get the ball out to them. We didn't necessarily have the time for our quarterbacks to throw the ball as well as we would like. But that's because teams schemed for us every week, and they made it difficult.
0: Did that contribute to the fact that the team was a very run dominant team?
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Right. And, and
0: obviously, and obviously you are tasked with those hard decisions. You could tell that throughout the season, maybe the receivers were getting upset because they weren't getting the ball enough. But when you have the talent in the backfield that you guys did, obviously, you have to utilize it. But those are just one of the hard decisions that you had to make throughout the season and another one was choosing the seniors that you wanted to honor at the end of the season and one of them being trevor watts who you chose to participate in the all-star game on thanksgiving can you speak to me about how trevor how much of an honor it was to see Trevor develop throughout the program in the past four years?
1: Well, the first the first thing, yes. Yeah, um, Trevor has been a three-year starter for us. That's the only guy. Now, next year, there'll be a couple other guys, but they're still juniors. But Trevor came in as a sophomore, and we brought him up his sophomore year because all the running backs said, that's the guy we ran behind on the JV team. So we came in, and he started on the offensive line for part of the year. And by the end of his sophomore year, he was kind of playing both sides of the ball. By the time he was a junior, he was our main lineman on offense and defense. And obviously his senior year, because of what he did, he was picked as the, the, the lone full-time captain of the team. And Trevor was the guy that kept the team together. When I mean that is when I needed something emailed out or text messaged out or whatever he does, I don't know the terms of all these things, Trevor would take care of it. He would stay in touch with me. Um, he would let me know when kids were not going to be there for you know various reasons, whether they were sick or they had had family emergencies, they would text Trevor and Trevor would get back to me. So Trevor was like the the fifth coach that we don't have, but whenever we need anything done, we go to Trevor. But he's also a, a quality young man. I mean, like he didn't miss practices. There was no problems with it. When things weren't going well, he didn't complain about it. He didn't blame anyone else. He took it on his shoulders and did what he had to do. So Trevor Watts earned that spot in the All-Star Game on Thanksgiving Day.
0: And I'm glad you mentioned how you mentioned more of the stuff he did off the field that are on the field, which contributes to the whole player. Many people, they want to point to the fact that oh, this player has a lot of skill. He should be the one that should be honored, but really it's what they do off the field that contributes to success on the field. And now looking at that, Trevor Watts is only one of the many successful players that you've coached. From John DeBeek to Aaron Weaver to even Brandon Moore. Can you? How rewarding is it as a coach to know that you have coached these players who have went on to have success at the next level?
1: It is the nicest thing in the world. Um, I I've been doing this now in Baldwin for 32 years and every year before the season starts and now this week these guys will call me they'll text me they want to know what's going on how are things going um, every one of them want to know what's going on with and football when it's good when it's bad what's the issue uh, how, how's the climate of Nassau County football but it's really really exciting perfect example was after we won our championship several years ago we were calling our alumni to donate the ring fund if you will so the first person i called was brandon moore he at the time he was playing for the san francisco 49ers and i said brandon we're doing this we'd like to know if you'd like to donate a ring he goes coach just send me the bill end of the story wow literally a week later a ten thousand dollar check appeared at my front door for the rings and he flew in from San Francisco the night we had our ring presentation to present the rings so that's a special person and what it was was he loved the program the one thing you'll get from all our kids that have played on our program is they'll always say the one thing I remember the most is my days playing high school football in Baldwin because the teams are always close tight knit groups of that's people is, not like high school sports. right there is not and people don't understand that you can go to college on a full scholarship but you'll always remember the guy who was right next to you on your soccer field your football field the wrestling mat the basketball court all of this you'll never forget those days that's what I try
0: to stress to people like you could you could try to play sports in college but nevertheless you're going there with a bunch of strangers like you in high school you're playing with the people that you grew up with you're not playing with somebody that you probably have to outplay because they got recruited harder than you they're a five star you're a four star like there's none of that in high school simply your brothers your sisters you're just playing your hardest but now, looking at you now, you've been a Bruin since the 1970s. How's the game of football changed since you were a student and player at Boulder?
1: Right, that's a great question, because when, when, when we played football, there's a term, it was called three yards in a cloud of dust, and that's how football was played back in the 70s, and that came from Ohio State Woody Hayes, and what that means is basically, I hand the ball off to the running back, and you want to get three yards, and then obviously, there were no turf fields back then, at least not in high school, so all you had was a cloud of dust, and you saw what kind of yards you made. Um, Football now has become what we call wide open field, where it used to be tackled, I mean, tight end to tight end. Now we spread the field. So your receivers are the whole 53 and a third yards wide. And there's teams that will run the ball in that formation and there are teams that have passed the ball in that formation. But the difference is the 70s and 80s and even the early 90s was just hardcore running. And basically it was just Brutal caveman football. Now there's a science to the football, like um, analytics, if you will. It's a big thing, and even in high school we use analytics and what's the right time and when to do it. So the difference is the field has opened up. They throw the ball a lot more, and and you know when you throw the ball a lot more, it, it's a different game of football. Like it's important to have big strong linemen, but now you have to have fast linemen to keep the blocking going. And so. how
0: have you adjusted your coaching style to adjust to that new era of football?
1: Well, what I do is. And and like at a season and it'll be starting another two weeks. I go to clinics all over the country and I mean all over the country. Last year I spent a couple of days out at Stanford with David Shaw and he has a wide open offense but I like because he also runs the ball so he runs a little bit of each. Um, I try to visit all the friends. I have a friend who's the running back coach at Villanova who runs the spread offense so I speak with all of these guys and the interesting thing is they say you need certain guys for certain positions so that's 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 the tough part is we have to then try to plug in our kids to fit the positions that we're trying to run in these offenses. It's not that easy. You know, like when people say we're running a certain offense, it's always good to have your best athlete running quarterback, okay? Or if you're you're running just a power-eye offense, you want your best, strongest running back at tailback. So you have to fit in the position. Years ago, people said, I don't believe in that. But you have to, because you have to do what personnel you have to make your offense and defense successful.
0: And it's interesting to hear, you've been coaching for over three decades, and the fact that you are still traveling to these clinics and still trying to learn. It shows that it doesn't matter how old you are, there's always stuff to learn when it comes to football. You can't know everything when you're coaching. And it's interesting to hear that you spend a couple days at a clinic all over the country, and you have been an assistant principal for elementary school, and you are now a physical education teacher for Baldwin. How have you managed to juggle these responsibilities while being able to provide for your family?
1: Well, um, I was fortunate. Meaning, my, my two boys played high school football and there was a period where I was gonna stop coaching to watch them all the time. And both of them said, that's silly because we're gonna be done playing football someday, but I know that you wanna keep coaching. So what I would do is, maybe it was selfish, we would get Friday night games so I could see them on Saturday or they would have a Friday night game. And then obviously my wife is a phenomenal person because basically she let me do this my whole entire career. And it was tough when when, when we were, the kids were growing up, you know, when they had the birthday parties and when they were in the, in, you know, elementary school, I wasn't around a lot. And that was just high school football, but she, was 100% behind me. So it made it easy for me to you know, succeed. You know, So you have to have a great wife and a great family yeah, uh, to be able to do the stuff that I've been doing for the last 30 years. And it's not just here. I mean, I've been doing this for 40 years between teaching and coaching, but here on Ballon for the last, obviously 33 years as the head coach, but I was an assistant coach here for three other years. But it takes your whole entire family to be willing to sacrifice so I could do this. And it
0: really sounds like they're behind you and your clothes and what you look to do. And they understand how much football means to you. Absolutely. And when you look at what you've done as a head coach, what would you describe as your proudest moment?
1: Well, you know what, I'll tell you what, the proudest moment I have is when the kids come back to talk to the kids that are here now. We have a young man, his name is Ifosa Af- 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 Gubadier, all right? Um, he is now a doctor. He works in the, what is it, Doctors Without Walls, Without Boundaries, or whatever the term is. He comes back every year to talk to the kids, to tell them what he's doing. Like, he he runs a clinic in, in different parts of the world, and he explains what it is. But he also comes back and says, this is solely because of what I did here in sports. He was a great football player and lacrosse player in in here. I have another young man, Rich Simonetti, my 91 team. He donates money. If I need anything, he just says, Coach, just tell me what you need. And next thing you know, there's a check sent in the mail. I have Kyle McKenna, who's... um He's a coach now out in Seattle, but he played for me in 91 and he shares a lot of ideas with me. You know, like I hate to say it, my mind is still stuck with the old style of football so I have to talk to the young guys and say share with me what I can do. And I say this is what you got to do. I have Brandon Phillips who has his own podcast with a couple other players from 91 and they they plug Baldwin Athletics. So the, the nicest point is these people come back. Brandon Moore stays in touch with me. Aaron Weaver stays in touch with me. Ricky Managhan. I go down the list. I mean, literally, I've coached over 4,000 football players at Baldwin High School over the years. When you think about that, over 30 years, 40 kids a year, sometimes more. And when they come back and they talk to your players or they want to know how you're doing, how's your family, that's the greatest accomplishment. Obviously, wins and losses are great. How many wins you have are great. But it's to see how successful these young men are that came through your program, that's the most important thing to me.
0: And obviously, I know you look to but still that upon your current players, you wanna see them come back, you wanna see them give back to the program that you pretty much breathed them in. I mean, I know you're not gonna take all the credit because right. they're humble, but right. still it has to be, it has to feel good to know that they started with your program and what you've built at Baldwin.
1: It, it absolutely is, it's, it's an amazing thing. Now, people don't realize this, but there are, I, I, I'll just give one example, the head coach at Massapequa was one of my players for four years, and when we talk his coach, I'm using the same stuff you use. We call it different things and we may polish it a little differently, but it's the stuff you taught me. Kyle McKenna. Out in Seattle, he says, coach, there's a lot of plays that we still call what we called them here. Do you know these kids can name all our offensive plays to this day that we ran in all the games? They'll come back and say, oh, you did the 47 yeah, double-H. After? Even right. decades after. Okay, Brian McCourt, my first quarterback, all right? He can t- give you the whole playbook, and it was the power Eye. and he said, you know, we did the 47 double-H against Massapequa in the fourth quarter that won the game, or we threw the screen to um, Eugene Colbreth wow. that won it. Wow. And these kids will tell you the names of the players. Plays and what happened verbatim. It's it's almost scary. My wife says to me, you don't remember my birthday. You don't remember the day we got <laughs> married, but you do remember the day you beat Massapequa for the first uh, time. I said, of course, this is this is what we do. <laughs> in
0: fact, the football. Yes. And as much as your past athletes are giving back to you, you're not only giving back to Baldwin, but Nassau County in general. You hold a heavy hand in getting Baldwin Athletics recommended or honored in the Nassau County Athletics Hall of Fame, if I'm correct. Speak to me about that experience and how much you have an impact on not only football players that come from Bolton, but
1: all athletes. Well, what happened was years ago, they started Nassau County Hall of Fame. And the first year, my fault, I didn't nominate anyone because I wasn't sure what it was all about. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there going wait a second, we have kids here. And what I did was I started back when Baldwin football and when Baldwin sports started, not just the current people. I wanna, we're gonna work our way up there. Hopefully I'm doing this a long time to get more people in. We're up to 10 people for Baldwin. We may be the highest number of people in the Nassau County Hall of Fame. But I, I was looking at guys from the 20s, like the first football coach that was not the first one, but he started in 29, George Craig, we got him in. But you know what was interesting? as a male football coach, and I say male, I I preface that because all of a sudden I saw that we have a lot of great young ladies that played sports in Baldwin here. We have a, a, a young lady her name was Alice Arden. She'd now be 110 years old today, but she was in the Olympics in 1936. She was on the same team with Jesse Owens and Lou Zamperino Now, if anyone knows who Lou Zamperino is, I'll be really impressed. They made a movie about him. I okay, don't know who okay. Well, it's a good trivia yeah. question, but my point is, I I find all of these people so. My first time I nominated a, women, a woman, people go, what, what's wrong with you? I said, because Baldwin has just as many great female athletes as male athletes. And I feel it's important that people know what came from this place. As we sit here, we are sitting on a golf course. This used to be a golf course. The building that we're sitting in, this used to be the the Milburn Golf and Country Club. And that's where this was. The, The high school football field was Atlantic School. It was at Steel School. It was, you know, so, I mean, it was all over the place. And to me, it's my passion, Baldwin sports in general, obviously I love football, but our sport program has been amazing over the years. Since I would say probably the first athletic teams we had in Baldwin was like 19 probably 16 or 17 we at first was our basketball team and then our baseball team and Baldwin football came in 1921 but that's a whole lesson onto itself that could be a a 10 hour podcast talking about the history of Baldwin sports
0: and the fact that somebody who's been a part of Baldwin Athletics for three decades is going like, not even starting from when he was a student, but going back to at first when Baldwin even introduced sports and trying to get all these different athletes, trying to figure out who was the best from that year and trying to honor them. It's crazy. And then it's not only about the awards that we're getting, but the fact that you're letting people know these people came from Baldwin. like the framework. I mean, they went, They might have went on to go to NFL or the Olympics, but it started here within uh, these walls, within uh, the golf club, as right, you would say. Right, so, absolutely. I mean, it's refreshing to know that, and to get like a history lesson on that. So, and the fact that are telling our listeners that not many people will know. know. <laughs> it's, it's very beneficial. But now, moving over to you now, you are a New York Jets Coach of the Week, four-time Conference One Coach of the Year, one-time Nassau County Coach of the Year, Winner of the National Football Foundation Award for contribu- Contribution to Amateur Football, have produced 75 all county talents. How much have these honors meant to you along with, I forgot, along with the people that you are nominated to the Hall of Fame, along with the football players who have won on a play, play pro, how much have these honors meant to you and do you believe there is more for you to give back to the world of football?
1: Well, one, yes, absolutely. I think I think even when I decide to retire from Baldwin, I'll always be plugging. For Baldwin football, absolutely, and for football in general. Um, what I like about the awards, it means that everyone accomplished. You know, it could be Steve Carroll's name on the award, but I realize everyone on that field is what made us successful. And I'm including all my coaches. I have some phenomenal coaches. My brother, Richard Carroll, has been with me the entire time for the 33 years that we've been here together. Then Frank Esposito, Rich Carroll was the captain of the 1973 football team. Okay? Frank Esposito was on that team, but he was the captain of the baseball team at that time. Obviously, everyone knows Coach Catapano. So I got three of the greatest, finest men that you could have as role models and as players or role models to sort of the players. And they're all from Baldwin. Now, Coach Catapano not, but he's been here long enough. And he's obviously he's cut his teeth on how good he is as a coach. But we have great people. So when I look at those awards, I look at my 1991 football team. And I say, these guys were the ones that helped me get to this point. It's not the one team, it's all the teams that got us to this point. And it's constantly building the program and making the program better. And every time you get an award, if you're silly enough to think it's because of you, you're in the wrong business. And every time, anytime we mention anything, it's always... Do you remember those kids? And I could name kids almost from every team, believe it or not, in the 33 years and and what their, their impact was on us. And even when we don't have a good year, there's still great impact what these kids do for the program.
0: And it's it's crazy. Like hearing you, hearing you, like explain all of this. It's greatness personified. You could say pretty much because the fact that you have given your blood, your sweat, and tears to not only football but to Baldwin in general. That is something that's irreplaceable. Even when you leave, you're still going to be involved in Baldwin athletics and the community. You wanna, you could say like you've get it, you've got people into the Hall of Fame, but. It's safe to say, as humble as you are, you are a Hall of Famer yourself. So my next question was gonna be, tell me what football means to you, but I'll just say, what has
1: Baldwin meant to you? Well, Baldwin's everything. My family grew up in Baldwin. Um, When I say my family, my father played on the 1948 Rutgers Cup football team. My uncle played on the 1939 County Championship team. My other uncle played on the 35 County Championship team. So it's in the blood. Now, as corny as this may sound, after dinner at my house we would talk about Baldwin football because my father was a big advocate of Baldwin football. My father was a school board member here for 20 years in Baldwin. This is it. This is this is where I want to be. I had many chances to leave ball and football to go to local colleges. And I said, why would I do that? This is where I belong. And this is even, people still say to me, why aren't you retiring? I said, because I still feel like I have something to offer to the kids in town and to the ball and football program. And that's, you know, pretty much where it is. It's right here.
0: And I can tell you, even when you're done coaching, you could say you're retiring from coaching, but as long as you're giving back to Baldwin, as long as you have a heavy hand in Baldwin athletics, you're pretty much immortal when it comes to Baldwin. But my last question, you could answer this any which way you know how what it all said and done coaching wise or being done in the community of Baldwin or whatever you want to call it what is one thing you want your former players colleagues and other meaningful people to remember what, as to what you brought both on and off the field. The
1: only, the only thing I would ever ask is that the people that, that I was fair to everyone, you know, like, I'm not gonna sit here and say there are not kids that you have better relationships, but I I, I walk down the hallway and I'll say hello to every kid in the morning before school, you know. I, I just want people to realize that this is what I like doing. I, I love the kids here, I love everything about it, and, and just that I'm fair, you know what I mean? Like, th- there are some kids that'll disagree with that because they didn't carry the ball enough. Well, there's some kids that'll say, well, I didn't make all, whatever. But you know what, in the end, I'll always be your friend and I'll always be there for you, so.
0: Now that is something I like to hear. And now, that is the end of our interview. That was Coach Carroll, 19th all-time wins by a Long Island head coach. Career record of 166, 120, four ties, 57.9 winning percentage, I don't think, did you know that?
1: I didn't in know that, fact. right. And
0: somebody who breeds Baldwin 24-7 and forever a Baldwin Hall of Famer, if not a Hall of Famer on Long Island. Coach Carroll, thank you for joining me. It was a real honor. I've, I've interviewed, I've done five, six interviews on the show already, but none of them were as special as that, so I appreciate it. Well,
1: thank you very much, and this was a great day. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And that was Coach Carroll, one of Baldwin's greatest legends. It was an honor to sit down with him for this interview. If you guys didn't get a history lesson from that, I don't know where else you guys will get one. That was simply a Baldwin social studies class, to say the least. But nevertheless, Coach Carroll, thank you for joining the show. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. And although you play a heavy part in the Nassau County Hall of Fame, there is no doubt that you will be in the Hall of Fame yourself one day. And on that note, that does it for this episode of the Bolden Bruin Sports Podcast. We appreciate you guys for listening, tuning in, sharing it. We appreciate it all. Be sure to tune in with our next episode next week, where we have our boys' varsity wrestling winter season preview. Coach Murphy and Ruben Jovell join the studio to talk all things for the upcoming season. Be sure to stream us everywhere Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YaobonsuSports.com, and the Baldwin Union Free School District website. We appreciate all the love, and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening in on this edition of the Baldwin Bruins Sports
1: Podcast. Be sure to follow us on all streaming platforms. Check us out on Instagram at Baldwin Sports Podcast. Join us next time for more news, analysis, interviews, and everything Baldwin Sports.